They're known as the silent majority. They're usually vulnerable and seeking counseling. Studies report that 95% of clergy sexual abuse victims are indeed adult women. Hi, my name is Dan Dick and welcome to Church Matters. This is a topic that you, listener, may not want to hear on a Sunday morning. It is the elephant in the room. But it is a very important topic to address. And a special word for families? This is a sensitive topic for young ears. You may want to keep your children out of earshot. Or you can listen later online at MennoniteChurch.ca. Joining me to talk about this sensitive issue is Ed Kaufman. Ed hails from Indiana, where he completed his undergraduate degree in sociology at Valparaiso University. He has a Master's of Divinity from Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary in Elkhart, Indiana, has held pastorates in Ontario, Indiana, and Nebraska. He also has training from the Faith Trust Institute to lead workshops on prevention of clergy misconduct. It is often called upon to help congregations following instances of clergy sexual misconduct. He is currently the pastor at First Mennonite Church in Calgary. Welcome to our studio, Ed. Glad to be here. Religious leaders are not that different from the rest of us. They too are subject to the so-called seven deadly sins. But clergy sexual misconduct is the elephant in the room that no one seems to want to talk about. Why is that? I think it's really interesting that you use the image of the elephant in the room um, because one of the comparable kinds of things that uh, clergy misconduct is often compared to is incest, which we often talk about as as the elephant in the room. And if you think about the church as the family of God, there's a lot of uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, we don't want to talk about it. Uh, it's it's a shameful thing. Uh, we don't think clergy will do things like that. But clergy are have access to people. They often work alone. With technology now, it's very easy to to be drawn into sexual kinds of things on the internet or send messages, whatever kind of things like that. When pastors engage in sexual misconduct, it is often labeled as an affair. And of course, we know that men and women have affairs all the time. Is there anything wrong with that description in the case of clergy? It is one of the ways that it's often talked about, but yes, that it really is a misconception to call it that. Clergy are in a place of privilege, and in many ways, clergy misconduct has as much to do with the issue of power and misuse of power as it does with sex. And so it's important to, to recognize that clergy have a responsibility to protect vulnerable people that come to them. They're the ones who, who are in power and have the power, and so it's their responsibility to use that power for the good of other people rather than for taking advantage of them. So it's not just an affair. It's an abuse of power. You, I want to draw a little bit something you said there, that pastors are in a place of privilege. Say more about that. I think it's particularly true that they have, um, they have access to people in ways that very few pro other professions have. I can go up and knock on somebody's door and go and visit them at their house. I, I work alone most of the time. So the issue of, of secrecy and that is very easy to maintain. And even though we maybe don't think it's the case, pastors still have a lot of um, privilege in society um, and, and power. 
particularly male pastors. So we're talking about access and trust, really. Yeah. Yeah. The tendency for some folks is to blame the victim. After all, she could just leave that relationship, right? If only it were that easy. Those who abuse power have a, have a way of drawing people in, telling them it's okay. I mean, the pastor is the one who's supposed to know what's, what's right or wrong. Uh, and so if the pastor says this is okay, how can you, how can you argue with that? How can you, how can you go against that? Um, and so it's, they're really drawn in uh, to the relationship or whatever it is and find, um, find it really hard. It's hard to believe that trusted individuals like pastors would be that manipulative. Unfortunately, they are, some are. Certainly not the majority. But there are, because it's a position of privilege and power, um, those who are predators sometimes are drawn to that kind of a position. Pastors are seen as spiritual caregivers and sometimes even rescuers. And men in particular seemed programmed to fix things, right? Are male pastors especially at risk for inappropriate relationships? Well, it's not exclusively a male issue, and I think we need to be clear about that. Female pastors can also abuse their positions and power. But if you're talking about power, then certainly male clergy have more in our society, being male, being uh, clergy. Um, so there is a particular uh, risk there, I think, for taking advantage of vulnerable people that, that is more true for males than it is for, for females. But it can also happen with females. So it's not exclusive to it's males. It's not exclusive. Are there certain characteristics of persons who may be especially prone to become a victim of sexual clergy misconduct? Well, I think one of the things we need to say is anybody can be a victim. Um, usually victims are persons who are in a position of vulnerability. So they may come to a pastor for an issue, a problem they have, a problem in their marriage, a personal issue, something like that, which makes them particularly vulnerable. So you can be you know, the CEO of a company, but if your marriage is falling apart and you come to a pastor, you could be in a vulnerable position in relationship to that pastor. And one of the unfortunate things is that when a pastor takes advantage of that, not only do they cause new problems, but the original issue doesn't get resolved either. They don't get any help for, for that. In your first response, you made a reference to technology and access to technology. Can you say more about that? Is the temptation greater now than it used to be, perhaps? Well, I think there are new temptations. Um, certainly, one of the new issues that we've started to talk about with boundaries is the whole issue of pornography, inappropriate use of social media like Facebook or whatever, you send inappropriate kinds of messages. So there are, there are new challenges that I think are out there that we're just realizing we really have to look at some of those things too. And again, those are all things you can do in the privacy of your office or... It's much more private now than it used to be yeah. Yeah. When, when a home had one phone and, and the conversation could be overheard in the next room. Yeah. Paint me a picture, Ed, of the aftermath of clergy sexual misconduct. What does it look like? Well, that's a big question. Um, 
for and it varies with whom you're talking about, but for for a victim, there's often um, a lot of shame, uh, confusion about boundaries. Uh, for many victims, there's a loss of faith. I mean, this is this is a person that I trusted, a godly person who has taken advantage of me. And the same kinds of things are true for congregations where this happens. There's a loss of trust in the in the pastor, in the office of the pastor, anybody that's in that office, a sense of shame that this could have happened in our congregation. For the offender, of course, there's often the loss of job, loss of credentials, um, and generally there's a, a loss of respect. Loss of respect, and 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 a loss of respect for ministry in general. I mean, it it the ripples go out a long ways, um, because you know, as you know, it hits the it if it hits the media, uh, then pastors, all pastors, and the mission of the church are dropped down a notch because of. Well, if, if pastors can do that kind of thing, who can you trust? Hmm. In your experience, what happens to marriages and familial relationships? That varies, um, but usually there's a there's a breakdown there. In in family relationships, sometimes a spouse will stand by their spouse, try to work it out, but. It, it often means a breakdown of a loss of family, loss of marriage, um, yeah, many things like that. Also, again, in your experience, uh, what is the potential for restoration of relationships after a situation like this? Well, it's really difficult, and there are very few instances that I'm aware of where a pastor who has violated trust has been able to return to a position of trust uh, pastoring. Victims often say the main things they want to know are that what happened was wrong and that the church will do everything it can to make sure it doesn't happen again. So the question that any area church or credentialing body or whatever has to ask is, can we make sure that this person won't offend again? And that's a pretty difficult one to, to answer. Men and women often feel called into ministry. No one goes into ministry, I don't think, thinking that they will be involved in sexual misconduct. What are some healthy practices that church members can encourage their pastors to tend to? Accountability is an important thing, setting up some kinds of accountability. Uh, congregations can really encourage their pastors to look after themselves, give them time off, send them away on retreats, encourage them to have relationships outside of the congregation with friends, with finding ways to, to fulfill their needs outside of the congregation, uh, and not seeing that as somehow taking away from them, but, but having a healthier pastor, and certainly encouraging them in their own spiritual life, because that's spirituality and sexuality are very closely tied together. Mm. Nurturing one's spiritual life also takes care of some issues otherwise. If someone listening to us right now has experienced clergy sexual abuse, what would be your advice? Uh, tell somebody. Who? Well, somebody you trust, uh, your area pastor, a counselor. Uh, and if the first person you tell you don't get satisfaction or they don't believe you or listen to you, find somebody else to talk to. Talk to somebody. Secrecy. Uh, is the friend of the abuser. And, and it really doesn't matter how long ago it was either. It's important for it to be 
come out in the open and be revealed, um, both for the victim to get released from it, but also for the abuser to be able to come to grips with, with what happened. Uh, Christians in the church often don't want to get the legal system involved, but is there a time that's appropriate to get the legal system involved or police enforcement? Well, clearly if it involves a minor, then the police need to be involved. Um, otherwise, not necessarily, uh, unless there has been force, uh, I mean rape or something of that nature, then uh, legal case might be might be need to be involved that's that's kind of on the far end of things i would say and is there any other wisdom or counsel that you have to share with our listeners today on this uh, troubling topic it is a subject that's that's often not discussed and yet it is present among us and i think it's very important and i think the church is working hard to let people know that we do take it seriously and will respond to victims when they come f- come forth. And so I think it's an important topic for us to to talk about. Thanks so much for coming into the studio today, Ed. I really appreciate you coming and helping us with this. Glad to be here. If you or your congregation need resources to deal with clergy sexual misconduct, just go to resources.mennonitechurch.ca and search for the words clergy sexual misconduct you'll get over 50 curated and vetted items to loan or access directly online. That wraps up today's episode. You can join me again in just four weeks for another episode of Church Matters. We're here for you at 8.45 a.m. on the third Sunday of every month. We always welcome your feedback to the program, and we love to hear listener ideas for topics and themes you'd like us to cover. Dash off your email to churchmatters at mennonitechurch.ca. We're also grateful for your phone calls and financial support for this program at 1-866-888-6785. Or you can visit MennoniteChurch.ca and click on the donate link. I'm your host, Dan Dick. Know that you are called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Thanks for listening. As you go out from here. May the Lord go with you, the face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way.